Um, maybe you've seen this Dennis the Menace cartoon. Uh, Dennis has got a great big smile on his face and he's holding a big box and he runs to his mother and his mother's mouth is wide open. And Dennis says, Mom, 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 guess what? Guess what? We need to let Santa know that I don't need a train anymore. Look what I found on the top shelf in Dad's closet. (laughs) Now, we all know, especially if you've had boys, we all know that Christmas can bring its share of challenges, prowling kids and such as that. But in reality... This time of the year brings challenges that are, that are bigger, that are significant. It's something like this. In the midst of the, the joy and the celebration of Christmas, we see the fact that life is also broken. Uh, we, we see the fact that, that there's a lot of heartache. I think we see it more painfully because, because of the, the, the comparison of, of the joy. And then at the same time, you look and go, things are not right. There's a lot of, a lot of heartache and, and difficulty. So where do you look in this life for hope? Where do you look for, for, for life, for, for what makes life right and good? Well, this morning we're going to spend a little time in Isaiah chapter 9 together as we think about these questions. And we'll discover a God who loves relentlessly and whom we can find hope and life Let's read together Isaiah 9. But there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who have dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian for every boot on the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us A son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of will do this. This passage teaches us that in the midst of darkness you can find life and hope in the Savior sent by God. In the midst of darkness, you can find life and hope in the Savior sent by God. If you look there in verse 1, the prophet refers to, to gloom and to despair. And if you, if you look back into chapter 8, you'll see that the prophet talks of a, a darkness that's over the land. And it was a darkness that had been caused because the people of God had, had rejected him. They had trusted in, in other nations. They, they had walked away from him. And the consequences of their sin had brought great despair, great heartache upon the land. But Isaiah speaks here in verse 1 of a time when this despair would be no more, when there would be great hope. In verse 2, Isaiah again points to this, this darkness 
But he says that a light is coming. And Isaiah talks about these events as if they happened in the past. But Isaiah is prophesying about the birth of Jesus, which would happen nearly 800 years later, between seven and 800 years later. But he talks about them as if they had already happened. And this is why. Because the prophet is so certain of these events that he's able to speak of them as if they had already happened. They are certain to occur. And so he says this great Light is going to dawn in the midst of the darkness. And if you look in Matthew 4, verse 12, you'll see that Isaiah was pointing forward to the work of Christ. We don't have time to look at that this morning. Verse 3, the events that are going to happen are going to bring great joy. And in fact, Isaiah Uh, compares it to the kind of joy that there would be when there was an incredible harvest. Now remember, in these times, the harvest was critical. If the harvest was good, they they were in in good shape. But if the harvest was was meager or or if a crop had been destroyed, they were in terrible situation. And so Isaiah said there's a joy coming like the joy of a bumper crop, of a great harvest. And he goes on to say like the joy that would come in a great military victory. There's a a joy that is coming. In verse 4, he says that the oppression that has been on his people has been broken. It's been lifted. And he uses the example of Midian. And you'll remember Midian from Judges 6 and 7. Gideon took a few hundred troops and destroyed, wiped out this huge army because God's hand was, was on him. And that's exactly what Isaiah is saying here. There's going to be a great move of God who's going to come and, and break the oppression that's been against God's people. In verse 5, you see a picture of a time when wars will cease and the elements of war will be burned in the fire. War will be over. Now this hopeful prophecy ends with a birth announcement in, in verse 6. Now, we, we recognize online, you see someone post a picture of that first sonogram or that second or, th- or third sonogram, and they'll say, coming in September 2018 or 20, 2018, um, this new baby is coming. This new little one is going to be born, and it's a joyful time. Everybody hits the like button or the love button and makes a comment, congratulations, so excited for you. That's what God's doing here. He's saying to his people, There's been great darkness, but hope is coming. Hope is coming. Rejoice because hope is on his way. You see, God's people had lived in constant fear of the the threat of the surrounding nations that, that sought to destroy them. And they kept looking often for an earthly solution. But God kept saying to them, trust me. And so the solution that God would send wouldn't be a powerful military. It wouldn't be a mighty king. No, the solution that God would send would be a babe born, a little one. In verse 6, you see that a child would come. And this points to the fact that Jesus is human. He came as a human, came as a babe. And then verse 6 says that, that a son would be given. And this reminds us that this was no ordinary child. He was a human child, but he was also a child of God. He was also the son of God. God would give this child. That's what verse 6 says. Again, Isaiah is speaking as if these events have... They are so certain. Notice that Jesus is born in human history. This is... So many of them have 
have uh, sacred texts that talk about just spiritual things, things that you can't really look at or examine, but the Bible roots the truthfulness of Jesus Christ right in human history. Isn't that amazing to think about? Beyond Scripture, and you look for for other witnesses to the life of Jesus in the first and and early second centuries, you can find them. There are extra-biblical witnesses of Christ's life. Josephus, the, the Jewish historian, or the Roman historian, or, or a government document like Pliny the Younger's letter to Trajan. All of these document the life of Christ early, early in the first and, and second centuries. And the Bible gives us a reliable God who sent his own son to say, will be on his shoulders. That he is the sovereign king who will rule over the nations. You know, we can learn a lot from someone by their nicknames. We can learn a lot about someone from from their nicknames. Think of Kawhi Leonard. A lot of you like to watch the Spurs. You enjoy seeing his skill. Well, he's nicknamed the Claw. Why? Because he has huge hands and because those hands can do a lot. And we look here in verse 6, and we get these names for Jesus, and they tell us about who he is. He's called the Wonderful Counselor, and what this means is he has a wisdom that's divine. He has a wisdom that's far beyond any human wisdom. Now, during this time period in in Israel's history, they had trusted all kinds of, of human wisdom. And the limitations of human wisdom had become quite apparent as they suffered with the, the nations who, who would attack them and, and destroy them. And so human wisdom and its weakness was seen quite clear. But here God said that he would send a son who would have perfect wisdom. In him, you can find guidance for how to live. You can find the right way to walk. He is the wonderful counselor. Not only that, the scriptures say that he's a mighty God. This baby would be God incarnate, God in the flesh. And we get hints here of the doctrine of the Trinity, the the idea that that Jesus is God the Son, fully God and and fully human. And then when we look into the New Testament and we see Jesus, what's he doing? He's walking on water. He's calming the storms. He's raising the dead. We see that he is indeed God Almighty. But also he's called Everlasting Father. Now sometimes there's some confusion here. Wait a minute. I thought that... There was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They just sang about that a few minutes ago. Why is he called Everlasting Father? Well, this is not saying that Jesus is God the Father. It's saying that he will be like a father to his people. That that he'll be like a father. Well, what's a father? A father's one who, who cares for his kids. A father's one who protects his kids. A father's one who provides for his kids. A father's one who disciplines his kids. And so he would be not just a father, but here we're... We're told he would be an everlasting father. This is a dad who never, ever gives up on his people. A father whose love is everlasting. A forever father kind of love. That's the kind of love that, that Jesus would show his people. What a beautiful picture of a Christ who gave his all for us. A forever kind of love. He is the everlasting Father. Not only that, He is called the Prince of Peace. Jesus brings peace. We know ultimately Jesus will bring peace. He will 
come again and he'll wipe out all wars and all the effects of sin and there'll be an amazing and incredible peace, a peace that will reign for all eternity. But in the meantime, Jesus came as a baby and he came to bring peace between people and God. And the reason that we need to have peace with God is because we are sinful. We know that. Every one of us, we act selfishly all the time. We're, we're, our lives are often characterized by pride, by lying, and the list could go on and on and on. And all of those things makes it where we're enemies of God because we're rebelling against him. We're rebelling against his love. And so what did God do? God sent his son to bring peace, to make a way for those of us who are guilty and sinful to have peace with a God who's holy. What did Jesus do? He came and he lived a perfect life here on earth. He was nailed to the cross and he took the punishment for my sin and your sin, any who would believe, upon himself. And he made a way for our sins to be wiped clean and for us to be at peace with God. He was buried, came back to life. And now, if you will turn from your sin and say to Jesus, I don't want to go my own way anymore. I'm putting my life in your hands. I'm putting my faith in you. The Bible tells us that he'll rescue you, that you too can have peace with God and you can know the peace that only the Prince of Peace can bring. A peace that will guard your heart, that will guard your mind. Verse 7 reminds us that this promised one would rule far beyond the Jews. He would reign for all eternity. He, he would rule and reign. He is indeed the King of Kings. So as we celebrate Christmas together, let's think about what this means in our life. First, Christmas reminds us that we need a Savior. When we think about these beautiful truths here in Isaiah 9, this time of the year reminds us that we need a Savior. Every one of us are, are broken. We've rebelled against God. We've gone, our, we've gone our own way. God's people in Isaiah's time couldn't save themselves. And friend, you can't save yourself either. You need a Savior. You need a rescuer. So Jesus is our desperately needed Savior. Number two, Christmas reminds us that even in the most hopeless situations, there's hope. God's people had been devastated and broken by the hostility of the nations around them. They were in shambles. There were dark, dark days for his people. But that child that was born, that son that was given, would mean that no matter what, God's people could have hope. So your past sin... The sin that's been committed against you, lost opportunities, broken dreams, deep regret, paralyzing guilt, heavy shame, you name it. Whatever it is, Jesus can shine light into the deepest corners of your heart. He can bring life, despair and sadness, fear and anxiety. The Christ child comes to a people walking in darkness to bring hope, to bring life. Your situation, whatever it might be, is not so dark that the light of Christ can't save, that the light of Christ can't bring new hope and new life. If you belong to him, he will help you. He will heal. So call out to him. Trust him. Seek him. Back during Hurricane Katrina, a group of civilians got together and they nicknamed themselves the Cajun Navy. 
And they, they went about trying to rescue people and save people. And when Hurricane Harvey came, this group got back together. They went to Houston with their pickup trucks and with boats, and they began to try to rescue people and, and save people. And one of the men in this group came across a 73-year-old woman who was floating face down in the middle of a street in Houston. They rescued that woman, performed CPR on her, and they brought her back to life. This is a picture of what Jesus does. He takes what is dead and broken and messed up, and he brings it back to life. He brings new life. He restores. He brings hope. That's why we can celebrate at Christmas. That's why we can celebrate even in the midst of difficulty and even in the midst of heartache because we have a God who brings new life, who sent a son for our rescue. So even in the most hopeless situations, Christ, the light of Christ, brings hope. Number three, Christmas reminds you that God cares for you. He cares for you. Jesus came to suffer and to die, but because of God's love, Sometimes our life circumstances can make us begin to wonder, does God really care? If he really cared, then how could this happen or how could that happen? We, we can't answer all those questions, but the scriptures make clear that this side of heaven, there's an awful lot of that stuff. There's an awful lot of the, uh, of the brokenness and of the hard and, and the things that, that just cause us to go, Lord, what is happening? And these things can make us question the love of God But brothers and sisters, I want to say to you, never, ever doubt the love of God. Never believe that. Never believe that God doesn't love you. The devil would have you believe that. He would lie to you and say, why is this happening? God doesn't care. God's not going to do anything. doesn't matter. That's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. God loves you passionately. How do we know? Because the Father sent that baby boy to come and to suffer and die on a cross. What kind of love is that? I know we say it all the time and we take it for granted, but ponder that for a moment. What kind of love is that? You give up your own son. What what a powerful love. He loves with an unending love. So while we don't always know what God allows into our lives and what God permits, let the gift of this baby boy who would grow up and be nailed to a tree, always remind you that God loves you, that God cares for his children, that he will not let you go. Never believe otherwise. Imagine a time in your life when you really were going through a hardship. For some of you, that's right now. For others of you, you'll remember back to the loss of a loved one or some kind of devastating news. And do you remember when a friend who loved you, just came and put his hand on your back and just said, I want you to know we care about you and we're there for you. Or maybe a friend who came and just wrapped their arms around you and said, we love you. Do you remember for just a few moments the kind of solace that you felt? Somebody cares? I I matter to somebody? I don't... The cross is that. Brothers and sisters, that's what the cross is. It's God's wrapping his arms around us if we belong to him and saying to us, never, ever doubt that I'm with you. That's why I sent that baby boy. He's proof that I love you. That's God's putting his hand on your shoulder and saying, don't you give up. I love you. I'm with you. So so don't ever believe 
that the God who sent his own son for you doesn't love you. Never believe that. We may not understand him. We may not understand what he allows, but never believe that. Always remember that he cares for his children. Number four, Christmas reminds us that Jesus is God Almighty and is worthy of our whole lives. Jesus is not a good luck charm that you wear around your neck or that you keep in your pocket. He is the Son of God. He gave his life for you, and he calls you to give your life back to him. If you know Jesus, he's calling you to live faithfully for him, to walk with him, to live your life as a life of deep devotion and worship. So give your whole life in devotion to him. That's exactly what he's done for you. Remember back in the early days of the uh, war with Afghanistan, there were two ladies, most of you will probably remember who are old enough to, Heather Mercer and Dana Curry. They, they were serving as Afghan aid workers. They were there um, trying to, to care for the Afghan people, but, but also to, to be a light uh, for, for Christ. They were arrested in August of 2001, and they were accused of sharing the gospel by the Taliban. They were imprisoned. They were put on trial. They were locked up, and they were at the mercy of often these violent and ruthless members of the Taliban. And yet in the midst of the war, Northern Alliance troops rescued those two ladies. They picked them up, and U.S. Special Forces uh, brought them to safety. And those two ladies, who seemed as if they had no hope at all, were rescued. And I want you to know that's exactly what Jesus has done. He has rescued. He has brought hope where there seemed to be no hope. That's why he came. That's why he came. He came with the mission. The mission, your rescue. You can find life and hope in this one sent from God. So believers, this morning, if you're a, if you're a Christian, won't you say to the Lord, all that I am, Lord, I want to give it back to you. I, I'm, I'm placing my life in your hands. Lord, whatever you ask, I, I want to follow you. God, as you've loved me, help me to love you. And let's seek by his grace to live our lives with deep devotion to this one who came for our rescue. Some of you who who are here today are not believers. There's never been a time in your life when you've put your faith in Jesus, you've known about Jesus, maybe you've done some religious things, but you've never become a Christian. Maybe you've tried other things and things that have left you longing things that have made you just know deep down things are not right. Things need to change. You've known you need someone greater, something bigger than you. Because all of us do, and right here we find the one that we're looking for, the one that our hearts are longing for. So may Jesus be your deliverer, not just a decoration in your nativity set. May he be your deliverer. May he be your treasure, not just a trinket. May he be the one that you hold fast to, who gives you life. If you do not know the Lord Jesus, don't leave here today without turning to him in faith. In just a moment, we'll stand and sing. And when we do, I'll be up here. Uh, Brother Ralph will be up here. And we would love to visit with you more about how you can know the one who, who came to save you, to give you life. No more important decision than coming to know him, the one who gives true life, true hope. Let's pray together.